it's really not a sermon, but it is something that'll get your, it'll get your, uh, it'll get you thinking. I wrote it down a little old piece of paper here and laid it in my Bible, and I meant to rewrite it down in my Bible, but I never have. I just left it on that little piece of paper. In the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. Uh, there and the fifth chapter. Now, if you're reading your Bible through, you don't pass the fifth chapter. But in this fifth chapter, uh, in the fifth chapter of Genesis, here it uh, starts out in verse 21 of saying, "Enoch and Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah." Now, Enoch was my age when his, the first baby come along for him and his wife. 65 years old. Of course, now here's then that wasn't old, but he was 65 and Methuselah was born. Now notice what it says. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. Do you see that? After his son was born, he walked with God. Now, if he did walk with God before that, I really don't know. I don't know if he did or not. But I'll tell you this, he did after he had a youngin. And I want to tell you something, mom and dad, tonight, if you got children, you better walk with God. You got a little old boy, a little old girl, and then after you get grandbabies, you want, you want them to see grandpa and grandma do uh, you want them to see you living for God? And I wouldn't want my grandchildren to see me doing something that a child of God ought not do and to want my children to see it. And I, I don't want to do it. Best thing, don't do it. But I want them to not only see me not doing things I shouldn't do, but I want them to see me things uh, that I got a relationship with God and love God. Are you following me? Okay, so Enoch walked with God 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Now that's how long he lived, 365 years. Now look at this. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know what he did? He was raptured. Now if you, uh, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but it took place in the book of Genesis. And so Enoch is a type, Brother Steve, of the church. Moses is a type of Israel and the Jew, because Moses went through the tribulation flood. Are you listening? And the church is not, I say the church is not going through the tribulation period. Uh, you, so you see, that Enoch's a type of the church. He went out before the flood. Moses rode it out through the tribulation period, but was spared. And that's what God's going to do with them Jews. And I got news for you. I don't care who the president is. If you think them Jews is in trouble, you got another thing coming, neighbor. God is going to bless Israel. And if we're smart, which is very debatable, if, if we're smart, we'll treat them Jews right. Yes, sir. You better, hey, you want to get in trouble, you start hitting at them Jews. I'll tell you right now, you'll get in a world of hurt. You say, why? They're God's people. God's people. There ain't nothing you can do about it. There ain't nothing I can do about it. They are. And he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You'll see that after a while. Now, but let me show you that he lived 365 years and God called him home. And then it says, and Methuselah lived 187 years and begat Lamech. 
Now he was, he was 187 years old and had a son. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 782 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years. Look at this. And he died. Now I want to show you something here. Here's a man that walked with God and had a, uh, he had a son and 300 years Every day for 300 years that his son seen his daddy for 300 years. He said, my daddy prayed for every day for 300 years. He read his Bible every day, 300 years. He built altars and worshiped God and, 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 and looked unto God for 300 years of my life. That's a pretty good tr tr child training session. Training children 300 years. So this boy was 300 years old when his daddy got raptured. And then he had children. I want to show you the difference. And, and he lived another 782 years. He lived 700, sister, 782 years. But you don't see where he done nothing but got old. Enoch walked with God and Methuselah walked with Enoch. Now I'm going to show you, have you ever wondered, Brother Steve, why that here's a husband and a wife team and they're together and they're serving God and they're wide open. I mean, they go soul winning, they're in Sunday school, they sing in the choir, they tithe, they do everything. Then all of a sudden, one of them, God takes one of them to heaven and the other drops off of the map. You ever noticed that? You ever seen it happen? I know you have. You ever noticed it? You see it and you say, what happened to him? His wife passed away and he don't even go to church now. I'm going to tell you what happened. One of them was walking with God and the other one was walking with them. One's walking along with God and then that other person was walking with the one that was walking with God. And when the one was taken, they parted ways with God because the one that had the walk ain't there no more. So you, now you got that figured out. So when it happens, you're going to say, well, I know what happened to him. It showed up who really had a relationship with God. And let me tell you something. I had a lady call me a few days ago needing some advice and needing some counsel. And Brother Steve, she called me and asked me a few questions about what would she do about this and that. And I told her. And when I got done, she said, Brother Cox, thank you so much. She said, you're my rock. And I said, hold it. Hold it, sister. I better not be your rock. I said, look, if I'm your rock, you're in trouble. And I said, look, that's the problem now. You need Jesus to be your rock. And if I die, bless God, you're okay. But if I, if I am your rock and I die, you ain't okay. You're in trouble. Hey, I got news for you. My rock died one day, but praise God, three days, he got back up. Hey, man. Hey, mine died one day and the devil thought this is the end. They're done for now. Praise God. He got back up. And listen, he lives forevermore. And listen, he dug me out of a horrible pit and set my feet on the solid rock, put a song in my mouth and a skip in my soul and heal. And I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, listen, I can't go down because I'm on the rock. Amen. 
are you listening? Now, as long as I stay with him and on him, I'm okay. And so are you. But you see, Enoch walked with God and Methuselah walked with Enoch. Do you see the difference? All it says, the only thing you can show me that Methuselah ever done was got old and died. You can't show me another thing he ever done. That's it. He fathered some children. That's right there. That's, that's it. Now I'm going to tell you, he could say I had a great daddy and he did. But you can't say nothing about Methuselah because Methuselah did not really, I ain't saying he wasn't saved. I ain't saying that he died without Christ. I'm saying though he did not walk with God. Now I want to show you something else. Let me show you another story. Look over if you would in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Now I'm going to show you something else right here. Now when I say walk with God, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to know God. Now, you, you know Him if you're saved in that you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You do know Him. But you know, Job, Brother Steve, verse chapter 22, verse 21 says, Acquaint now thyself with Him. Job got to know God real good. He got to know Job, Job got to know God real good because brother, he was in a mess and brother, he knew him. Hey, Paul the apostle said there in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, listen to this, and the fellowship of his suffering. That I may know him in the fellowship. So if you get to know God, brother, you're gonna have to go to some rough places. See, Isaiah 53 said he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If you know Jesus Christ, you're going to know grief. You're going to know heartache. You're going to know rejection if you know him. The old song, Brother Steve, said, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus in the shadows. So if you get to know him, there's probably going to be a lot of suffering involved. You know, and so walking with God is daily seeking His face, praying, praying. You know something I've learned, a little something here uh, 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 that helps me. Brother Steve, I don't get to do it every day, but I try to go for a walk every morning. I try to, even if it's raining. Whatever, I don't care. And you know what? I try to pray while I'm walking. You'd be surprised how much praying you can do. And ain't listen, get somewhere where you ain't, walk, you ain't got a walking buddy. The best walking buddy you got's Jesus. I wouldn't advise you to get out somewhere where it's dangerous. But let me just tell you this. Hey, I'll tell you where I learned this. A few months ago, back in September, I was in Colorado preaching. And a man had me way up in the mountains. I'm talking about they wasn't nothing up there. I'm talking about little bitty church building, a preacher about the size of the one you moved out of. And I was there preaching for a few days. And he said, Brother Darrell, 
in the mornings, I got some stuff to do. And he said, I know you, you, you want to pray and, and, and read and stay in your Bible stuff. So you go ahead and do what you got to do and I'll see you at lunchtime. Listen, he said, now if you want to walk, and he told me, he said, go right up the front of my church up here and turn right and go across that little bridge. And he said, you can go 30, 40, 50 miles if you want to on a dirt road and ain't one house on it. Only thing up in there is oil wells. You might see an oil truck coming out of there, maybe. Brother, I walked back in there. I didn't see a human being. And I could walk seven or eight miles one way and just lose myself talking to God. And sometimes I'd wake up and say, man, I wish I'd have turned around somewhere. It's a long ways back. <laughs> but I found out that you could pray and there wasn't nobody up there but God. And I said, man, this is great. And if I wanted to stop and sit out on a rock somewhere and just talk to God for a while, I could. But I'm just simply saying, the Bible said Enoch walked with God. Now, so walking with God's a relationship in prayer, but walking, having a relationship's two, two-way road, it's him talking to you too. And when you talk to God, you're praying. And when God talks to you, he's talking out of this book. Amen. You see, that's the mouth of God right there. And when you open it up every day, God's just speaking out of this book to you. And you read it and get in it. You get in it. And you'd be surprised how much time we waste. I was waiting on that doctor today and read 13 chapters just wait, say, waiting on him to come in there and see me. 13 chapters just, I'm talking about messing around. Waiting on him. You said, well, you could have just sat there and looked around. Yeah, I could have. But I wanted God to say something to me while I was sitting in there. Hey, man. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. So you understand that walking with God is your relationship, personal relationship. It's good that your pastor's got one. But folks, what he gets and, and he gives back to you, he gives it to you, but you still, it ain't enough. You still yourself need to get something yourself from the word of God in prayer and in your Bible. Let me show you another picture. Look at, and, and I'm gonna read some scripture. And I know this ain't a sermon, but I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll help you if you'll listen. Hey, look right here in the book. Now you're gonna talk about a, another good, clear picture of this. You're getting ready to see it. This will help you. Look at, if you would, at Genesis 12. Now I'm going to read a good bit of scripture here. So just read with me. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee of, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Notice this, all the families of the earth. You see that? If I was, look, if I was Joe Biden, you know what the first thing I'd do? I mean, the first thing on the agenda is take up a love offering and send Israel. And I, you say, why? I want God to bless what I'm doing. I'd take up a love offering and send it over. I'd send them a load of ammunition to fight that Ishmael's crowd when they come around. I, I'd send them... 
anything. They said, we need 55-gallon drums of peanut butter. I said, it's on the way. <laughs> Whatever you need, I'd help them. Now look here. Because God said all the families of the earth are going to be blessed by how they treat Israel. Look at it. There it is, verses one through three. You say, well, that ain't what it means. Well, then if it ain't what it means, tell me what it means. Now look here. So Abram departed. God told him, get out from his country. And he departed as the Lord spoken unto him. Look at this. And do you see this? Lot went with him. Lot was his brother's boy. All right, look here. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan, they came. Now look right here. Canaan, Canaan land, has always been a land that pictures the victorious Christian life, it ain't heaven. So when you hear some of these Christian songs trying to make you believe, I'm on my way to Canaan land one day and they're talking about heaven, they're off. God meant if you live in Canaan here and go to heaven one day, heaven's heaven, Canaan's here. Canaan's where we ought to be shouting a victory down here, living a victorious Christian life. That's right. And I'm gonna show you. But anyhow, they're heading for Canaan. And Abraham passed through the land and the place of Sechem and the land of Morah and the Canaanite was then in the land and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto thy seed will I give this land and look at this, pay attention to this and there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. He built an altar. Abraham built an altar and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east side of, and if you got a Schofield Bible, that Bethel has a one by it there. You see, it said, and you drop down there in the bottom, it says, one of the most sacred places of Canaan. Look at this, meaning house of God. So Bethel meant house of God. Now, Brother Steve, let me show you something here. He built an altar. Where did he build it? At the house of God. Yeah, Abraham had it, man. He, he went to Canaan, had the house of God, had the, the Bethel, that place, meant house of God. Now look, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west side, Hai on the east. Look at this. And there building an altar under the name of the Lord, upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now let me tell you, uh, he went on. Now, I want to show you something. Now, look here. If you think that in your life, because you're in church and you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, hard times ain't going to come. You've got another thing coming. Look right here what happened. Look at verse 10. And there came a famine in the land. And Abram went down. Look at this. Notice Abraham went down in the famine to Egypt. Now, notice this. To sojourn there. You know what sojourn means? Short journey. Don't intend to stay there, but look at it. The famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarah, his wife, Behold, now I know thou art a fair woman to look, look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians uh, see thee, they shall say, This is his wife, and they shall kill me, uh, but save thee alive. Uh, I, I say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. 
Now, here's what he done. Abraham was pretty sharp. He got to look at his wife. He said, buddy, that is some pretty woman. <laughs> About his own wife. He said, she's beautiful. And isn't that good that he thought that way of Sarah? He said, she's so pretty. And he said, sweetie, let me tell you something. Them Egyptians, <laughs> they ain't one of them down there that knows nothing about God. And they don't care. They kill a man for anything. And look, we get down there, they're going to take you and they're going to kill me. But I'll tell you what to do. If, if, if we tell them that you're my brother for my sake, then it'll be all right for me. You know what that's called? Lying. He was making up a lie. Is that what it is? Say amen. You said, yeah, but preacher, that's Abraham. I know it. But I'll tell you something. He left his altar and he left Bethel. You remember that. He kept going. He ought to sit still. As great a man as Abraham was, let me tell you something. God could have fed him in that famine if he had just sat still at Bethel. But he went on. See, everybody, the most dangerous time in your life is when a famine hits you and you think you've got to move. Best thing to do is sit there and weather it out. And that goes for pretty near everything. But here's what he did. Now here they are down there. And it came to pass, verse 14, that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Exactly what he said was gonna happen. They said, she's beautiful. Man, you ought to see this man's sister. And went down there and got Sarai, took her up to uh, uh, Pharaoh's palace. And now, and he entreated Abraham well. You know what that means? A lot of silver, a lot of gold, a lot of cattle, lots of stuff. Man, I'm going to pay you for this gift. She's beautiful. He entreated him well. He gave him oxen, asses, men, servants, maid servants. Pay attention to that word, maid servants. And she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with very great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this thou hast done to me, unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister so that I might have taken her to me to wife? Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Now look right here, here's what happened. See, God was blessing Abraham. And let me tell you, you say, well, why would God bless somebody that don't deserve it like that? Very simple. The same reason he does you. You don't deserve it either. And if he got you for every time you fouled up, you'd be homeless. Say amen. You wouldn't have nothing either and I wouldn't either. But God, and God don't just turn his head and wink at it, but God understands you're, you're a human being and Abraham messed up and God was long suffering. He spared him. Abraham could have got killed down here doing what he done. Instead of getting killed, he was already doing well when he got down there. Now he's got more than he knows what to do with. More men servants, maid servants, oxen, cattle, gold, silver, all of it. He's got more than he knows what to do with. Now I'm going to show you, keep going. And he, and he told him, get out of here. And Abram went up. Which way is he going? Up. He's leaving Egypt. And he went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had. Look at this. And Lot with him into the south. They're going back up towards Bethel. Now look at this. Notice Lot's on this whole trip. And Abram was, what's that next? Very rich. That means, that means 
really billionaires. This is, uh, there's no telling what he's worth. Very rich. When the Bible says very rich, it don't mean he's a millionaire. A millionaire wouldn't even, wouldn't even touched it. He's worth billions probably. Look here. Very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. And he went on his journey from the south. Look where he went. Even to Bethel. Do you see that? You know where he went? Here's what he did. Hey, brother, here's what he did. He said, you know what? We could have got killed by counter. You know, God spared us. God's so good. I tell you what we need to do. Boy, I miss them prayer meetings I was having with him. I miss that time when he spoke to me at them altars when I'd get down and pray and get down and look up and God would speak to me and boy, the tears were running down. I miss all that fellowship. Let's go back. So he takes Sarah and the servants and Lot and they all go back and now they're headed back to Bethel, verse three. And unto the place where his tent had been at the begetting between Bethel and Hai, he went right back to that altar. Look at this, verse four. Unto the place of the altar which he made there at the first. See, hey, what does Revelations chapter two say? Your first love. Abraham went back to the first place where he first had an altar. He went back to that place that God told that church of Ephesus Remember from where thou hast fallen and re remember and repent and return and rework. See what I'm trying to say? It's what Abraham done. Exactly what he had revival. He went back to the altar where he had been at the first and there Abraham called on God. Guess what, Brother Steve? He's back in tune now. He's praying. See it? He called on God. Now look at all this. Now look at verse five. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now, where did Lot get them? He was just a sidekick. I'll tell you where he got them. His uncle was so rich that it wasn't nothing for him to say, Lot, cut you out a couple thousand head. Cut you out two or three thousand of them longhorns over there. And get you four or five hundred of them good saddle horses for you cowboys. And look, here's silver and gold. It's going to take a lot of hay. I mean, it's going to take a lot of feed. It's going to, look, here's plenty of silver and gold. And he said, you just run your cows where you want to. Well, then Abraham still had thousands of heads of cattle. Lot does too. All right, here's what happens. Look at it. And the land was not able to bear them. Now, folks, there wasn't no fences. That was open range. I mean, the land, the whole country couldn't take care of their cows. Look at it. For their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. And there was strife between herdmen of Abraham's cattle and herdmen of Lot's cattle. The Canaanite and the Prezite dwelled then in the land. And ain't nobody get along with them Canaanites. Prezites, hey, you couldn't get along. But they were mixed in with Abraham and Lot. Plus this, you had a bunch of Egyptians that come back. You had a bunch of Egyptian cowboys come back. Now you got Canaanites, Prezites, Egyptians all mixed together. They don't even like one another. And they're out there trying to herd cows and brand cows and do all that kind of stuff. And, and they start striving. They're fighting. So I'm going to show you something. This is really good what I'm fixing to show you. Now I know you think I'm just up here rattling, but if you'll listen to this, it really does have something in it to help you. Look at this. 
And Abram said unto Lot, notice who initiates this. Let there be no strife. Hey, you know who will initiate peacemaking? Whoever's got the altar. Brother Steve, the man that'll come and say, hey brother, let's me and you settle this and get along. You know who'll do that? The man that's in his Bible and pray. You know who won't? That man that ain't read his Bible for three months. And he's already mad at everybody, mad at the world. And he ain't read his Bible. He ain't thought about God. The only thing he's worried about, you went five minutes over Sunday night. And he's got to get up and go to work. He's mad. Or somebody said something to the kids in the youth group or something. He's just mad all the time about something. But Abram said, Lot, look, let there be no strife. Look at what he did. Look at, yeah, man, this is good right here. Look at this. Then he said, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. Look at this, for we be brethren. Wouldn't it be good if people in the church would say we be brethren? Brother, we're brothers. We ought not be dividing. We're brethren. We're, we're kin. Folks, John 1 12 said, as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God. We're kin. Ain't no point in us fighting. And in this church, and in my church, or any local church, people ought to settle differences and go on. I ain't going to say they ain't going to beat differences. There will be. But settle it and get up and shake hands and hug one another's neck and go right on. And say, let's go. So you let that. But if you've got an altar, you can do it. See, Lot never initiated it. Abraham did. Now look here. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. There again, let me show you something. I'll give you the choice. Person with the altar. Whichever you want, it don't matter to me. You take first choice. Which one do you like? If we've given away these two chairs up here tonight, and brother, you come up here, and you said, well, brother Darrell, they've gave us these two chairs. Which one do you want? And I step back and say, oh, brother, it don't matter. You take what, what, you go ahead first. You know what that is? That's the man with the altar. But the selfish person will say, well, I'll tell you what. I think I've been here longer than you have. I deserve them both. There's a man with no altar. See, Abraham's trying everything he can to stop this thing. But you know why? He left Egypt, went back to Bethel, Back in prayer, do you see the difference? I'm trying to help you that this year, whatever you deal with this year, if you got an altar where you will pray and get in God's word every day, it'll help this church and your family and you to run smoother in everything you do. Now let me show you something. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord uh, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like, look at this, like the land of Egypt. Do you see that? As thou comest unto Zarah. Brother Stephen, let me show you something here. You know why Lot chose to go back to that? That's where his daddy took him on vacation. So let me show you why kids are not making it. I want to show you something. I figured some of this out. This, is, this right here will help you. See, mom and dad grows up. Brother, Brother Steve, you growed up in a time under when there's a lot of the old legends left around like the Tom Malones and the Jack Houses. 
and the Tom Williams and the Curtis Hudsons and, the, and all those giants. Using a lot of those meetings, using those big pastor school meetings and seeing all those great revivals and meetings. Okay, and, and you and your wife went together and all that and everything. But here's what happens. We're in Canaan and all that. But what we do is, is if we're not careful, we get a little bit, get away from that a little bit like Abraham did. And we go down into Egypt and we forget we took some people with us down there. And the kids are with us. And they went down there. And Lot had never seen nothing like that. The only place he'd ever been with his uncle to church. only place he'd ever been is Bethel and seen those altars. But now he took him down in and let him see girls down there that just looked every which way. Rap music playing and flashing lights and wild drinking going on and drugs going on and hot rod cars running up down the street. And old Lot said, wow. Man, look at that. And then when Abraham liked to got killed over what he did lying, he said, buddy, I better get back to my altar. So what he done, he yanks up Sarah, yanks up Lot and all them servants that was given to him. Men shows back with all of that. But what he done while he was there is he whetted the appetite of a man who did not have an altar. See, Lot didn't miss his altar. He never had one. Lot didn't miss nothing because he never had a relationship. Saved? Absolutely. But listen, there's a lot of lots. Be careful who you walk around and say, he ain't saved. If I was, if there was anything but the book of maybe Peter, that said cause him just lost. I'd think his loss is a goose and a hailstorm. But you know what it calls him? Just lot. You know what that just lot means? Justified. Brother Ronnie, he was saved. He's in heaven. Now, you said, but that sorry outfit got drunk, committed incest with his own two daughters and fathered his own grandchildren. Yeah. What's the results of all that? Can I tell you what it is? Number one, no altar. Number two, when Abraham left his. Mom and daddy want to tell you something. Don't leave your altar. Because when you leave that altar, you may be taking somebody on a trip that they will never recover. See, you, you're, you're, you know, Brother Steve, I guarantee you, you go up here tomorrow and do something you aren't not doing, look at something you ought not look at, immediately conviction comes and you say, oh dear God, help me. And you run back and grab into that altar. But if, if a man ain't got no altar, it's a pretty good catch. <laughs> but if a man ain't got no altar, he ain't got nothing to run back to. He's, he's open game. Are y'all following me? See, Lot had nothing to fall back on except Uncle Abraham's altar. So what you better do is get your own. Now I'm going to show you something. Lot, and by the way, if you think Abraham got out of this because he had an altar, he didn't. He didn't get out of it. Whatsoever a man soweth that, shall he also reap. I want to just read on and show you something else. Now we know what happened to Lot. But I just want to show you this and I'm going to be done. See what time it is here. Oh, I'm okay. I'm getting ready to light here for long. But I want to show you something. One more thing. 
It says, verse 14, I guess is where I am, I don't know. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, Lot dwelled in the cities, verse 12, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked sinners uh, before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up thine eyes from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it to thy seed forever. So God, he blessed old Abraham. But folks, let me tell you something. Abraham really got messed up because of Lot. Of, I mean, Lot got messed up because of Abraham. Took that journey down there. Now I'm going to show you something else. If you think he got out of it, if you think it, Lot, uh, Abraham got out of it scot-free. Hey, did you know that you remember back there where I read to you that he brought back in uh, chapter 12 whenever he gave his wife up to, uh, he gave his wife unto Pharaoh. It says, and, uh, and verse 16 says in chapter 12, and he entreated Abraham well for her sake. For he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. You see that? You know what happened? Abraham brought all that back with him. Gave some of it to Lot, a lot of it to Lot, and a lot of it he kept. And one day, his wife, and by the way, let me say this. Sarah was Abraham's wife. I never do see where she had no altar much. So everybody was running off Abraham. And one day she got sideways and said, you know something? God won't even bless us with children. He won't even bless us with children. And Abraham should have said, now look, honey, we already know that he's going to I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do it. Just be patient. But you know what he did? He got tired of listening to her. You know why she was doing what she was doing? She didn't have no altar. And she said, let me tell you what to do, Abraham. You go in unto my little teenage housekeeper. You go in unto her, Hagar, you go in unto Hagar. And he did. Brother Steve, when he went in unto Hagar, she got with child. And there was the birth of Ishmael. Abraham was a Jew. Ish, and Hagar was Egyptian. Where did he get Hagar? When those man servants and men servants were given to him, Pharaoh gave Hagar as a gift to Abraham. And, and Sarah looked at her and said, you know, she's such a good girl and sweet and kind and mannerly. And honey, do you mind if we just let her live with us? And she can stay in our house and she'd make good helping me with things. And he said, if that's who you want, take her. So Hagar was her handmaid, her servant. And Abraham went in unto her and she had a child because he listened to his wife. And fathered the Arabic nations. And every time you see one of them suicide bombers, you can thank Abraham. 
You say, what happened? That's when he left his altar. That's where she come from. That's where that whole deal worked out. Because a man left his altar. Now I want to tell you something. It don't take but one day for you to leave your altar. You better get something for yourself. You know something? Listen to this. I'm, I'm done preaching. But I'm going to tell you something. I am 60, almost 66 years old. I've been a long time. I've been saved over 50 years. Hey, my pastor, Gene Garlow, I loved him when he resigned, like killed me. When Frank Pittman was my pastor after Gene and he resigned one day, Brother Steve, like killed me. They were my heroes, man. Man got me saved and the other man taught me everything that I knew about anything. Then through the years, me and I've met so many preachers that was heroes to me, so many, so many. And all of them didn't pastor big churches. All of them, I'm just talking about good men, godly men. Good men. Heroes. Hey, but I think about men like Dr. Hiles and Dr. Seitler and Bobby Robertson and Tom Malone and Curtis Hudson. A lot of those men were heroes. They preached for Jack Hudson and on and on. I could go on and on. Lee Robertson. But let me tell you something. I can remember when all those men died where I was at. I remember where I was standing, Brother Ronnie, when I got a telephone call. I had a letter laying in my Bible where I was going on Thursday night, Charleston, West Virginia, to hear Lester Roloff. I was getting ready to go hear him preach. And on Tuesday evening, November 2nd, I got news that he's dead. His plane crashed. 1982, November 2nd. I remember where I was at when Bill Burr called me on the phone and said, Brother Darrell, Brother Howells went to heaven just a few minutes ago. I pulled off on the side of the road and sat over on the side of the road and just sat there and cried. Hey, I was with Bobby Robertson. I went to see Bobby about every day that I was in town. I'd go see him and have prayer with him. I went over when old Brother Bobby was passing on and I cried over it. Dr. Seitler, Others, so many, Curtis Hudson, many others. Hey, good men. And like I said, all of them didn't pastor large churches. Hey, I think about your daddy. I think about Brother Steve Ayers. What a good man. And by the way, a good friend to this preacher. Brother, a lot of my good friends, Brother Steve, my heroes has gone on. They're gone. They're in heaven. Okay, now let me tell you something. Had I not got me an altar when they went, it was a dangerous time. Because here's what happens. When, they, when your hero goes down, you're either going to quit or you had an altar and was doing what they preached and taught you. And you got you an altar and started praying and reading your Bible yourself and just said, Hey, when I heard Dr. Jack Howells was dead, Brother Ronnie, I pulled off on the side of the road and sat there and cried, reached in my back hip pocket. Brother Steve got a handkerchief and sat there and cried and wiped my eyes. I was going to see a man that was away from God and backslid, trying to get him back in church. And I sat there and cried like a baby, blowed my nose, wiped my eyes, put my handkerchief back in my hip pocket, put my glasses back on my head and said, I'm going to go do what I've been taught. I'm going to go do what I've been coached and taught and I kept going because I had an altar. 
And brother, I've seen them fall left and right because it's running off somebody else. Now, let me tell you, in 221, in 2021 this year, you better not be trying to borrow your pastor's altar. Now, it's good he's got one so he can help you, feed you, nurture you, pastor you, guide you. That's good. But it ain't going to keep you going. What if something, God forbid, but what if something happened to him? Then you're done if you're totally dependent on his altar. That's why Lot perished. Lot perished and went down and, and, and got in the mess he got in because he watched Abraham over and over and over build those altars and call on God and pray and up, offer up sacrifices. He's seen him do all of that and yet he missed it. Yes, sir. I, I'm through with this one illustration. Old Larry Brown preached for me one time and told a story, I'll never forget it. I don't remember what state he said this happened in. But he said there was a, 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 a somewhere up around Maine, somewhere where it gets cold weather, but it's got ocean. Seemed like it might've been in Maine. That the shrimp fishermen, the men that was trying to catch shrimp, was bringing them in. And, and what they would do, they would take some of them, Brother Steve, maybe if they had an overabundance of them or something, what they... They'd take a bunch of it and just what they had left over, they'd just throw it up down the seashore. Well, these seagulls would come in there even after they cleaned fish and stuff. They'd just take stuff and throw it out there on the banks. Well, seagulls by the hundreds, hundreds of them were flying in there and picking the meat off of them shrimp and fish. Hundreds of them, in the, hundreds of them. And they did this for months. Well, the next time it come around, the next winter came, started getting cold. The bottom had fell out of the fishing business and those men were not fishing. And you know what happened? Those same seagulls was coming in there and the fish wasn't there and the shrimp wasn't there. Brother Steve, one morning they said they got up and went out there and there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bodies of seagulls strewed all up and down the beach, dead. Some of them floating in the water. You know why? They wasn't getting it for their self. They wasn't getting it for their self. You know, I thought about that. I saw some little birds out there the other week in my backyard out there. And I thought about, you know, I, if I had some grain or something, I'd just throw it out there and I thought, you know something, Jesus already said he's going to take care of them. If I feed them, they get to depend on me instead of Jesus. They've been depending on him for a long time. And you know what? If you ain't careful, what you'll do, you'll be running off of somebody else's food. Just what they got. You better have a prayer time yourself every day. I wonder, did you pray today? Did you read your Bible? Are you going to do it tomorrow? You got to schedule it. You got to say, there ain't nothing going to stop this. I got to get this done. I got to get up 30 minutes earlier to get this done. Let's bow our heads. You can't run off of somebody else's altar. Lot should have built his own. Methuselah should have built his own. 
the disciples was running off of Simon Peter's altar. And when he said, I go fishing, they said, we're going to. And every one of them went with him. So why they didn't have the altar they should have had. As the pianist plays, would you come and say, you know what I'm going to do this year? It's going to be the year of building my altar. I'm going to have my own. I ain't going to depend on my wife building hers. I'm glad she's got one, but that ain't going to do for me. I'm glad my daddy, teenager, you'd be glad your daddy's got one, but if he ain't got one or he does, I'm asking you, do you have one? Hey, mom, have you got one? Are the children like they saw Enoch? Methuselah watched Enoch for 300 years, get up and pray and read his Bible. If the children walk through in the morning, would they see you with your Bible? Would they see you with your head bowed? I wonder how many people just come, just get up and come, say, yeah, preacher, I, I want to make sure I got one, but I want to keep it. Would you come? Come right now. I wonder if there's somebody here that says, preacher, I ain't even saved. You pray for me. I'm not saved. Remember me in prayer. Come on to this altar. Let's use it tonight. Hey, this is the first month of 2021. What we started out right by getting familiar with an altar. He built an altar. An altar. Hey, Dad, would you come and lead the way? Mama, would you come and lead the way? Grandpa, how about you come? Maybe those children and grandchildren will follow. Swallow that old pride and come to this altar. Come sit on, you say, I got bad knees. Come sit on the front row. Teenager, would you come? I'm going to, tonight I'll go home and get my Bible. I'll pray. I don't want to get away from God. It's too dangerous. The father of the Jewish nation, Abraham, as great a man as he was, left his altar and before long he was t telling things that wasn't true. If he could do that, what do you think me and you could do? If you're not saved, would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? I ain't saved, preacher. Pray for me. Anybody like that at all? I don't know Christ. Would you slip your hand up? Anybody like that? And then our Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you'll use the message to help somebody want to go home and get them a place where they pray that they'll meet you daily. I pray that, Lord, that people will get that old book and open it up and ask you to speak to them. I pray they'll make a covenant with you to be faithful to the house of God. Please help them. Lord, we love you and we love this church and love the pastor and love the people here and want to help them. And I pray, dear God, tonight you'll take your word and use it to help these people to be better Christians in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher.